Hafid, everyone, and thank you for joining the of the Curious Islander podcast. Today we have a really good friend of mine and my colleague in the Guam Youth Congress, Miss Chloe Mariposa Lazama herself. How are you doing, Chloe? Hi, everyone. Buenas. I'm good, honestly. Um, I've just been taking care of myself, and I hope everyone else is doing the same, um, staying safe. And yeah, that's pretty much all I've been doing, and creating podcasts too. I also make my own podcast. That's great to hear. And your podcast is Chloe Talks, right? Yeah. Um, I usually kind of do the same concept. I started about back in April. Um, but I've uploaded a few episodes, mostly um, me- about mental health and uh, also social justice reform. So if you guys want to check that out after listening to this, uh, feel free to go ahead and listen to that awesome yeah and for those listening um you know for my five for my five listeners at the moment um thank you for coming and i hope you're enjoying the episode thus far if you guys want to i would highly recommend checking out chloe's podcasts because i've uh, listened to a few of them myself and i can honestly say that Really, it's nice how you create an intimate environment with your guests and you talk about, you know, a lot of really good issues. I think um, I listened to one where you were talking about someone who um, identifies as Black who lived who lived here on Guam her whole life. And to me, it really just spoke a, a lot about, you know, the issues we face as, as, um, as youth growing up on an island where you know, utilizing the N-word is kind of normalized and how things like that are never really called out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I just think that that was such a great conversation to have and we need more people like you to just call those out and stop and we need people to just stop normalizing, um, you know, those kind of those kind of words and those, yeah, those racial slurs. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I... I guess I invited you here today because we were we were talking on Instagram and I guess you had seen my um, my post and then you said we should collab and I'm totally just psyched that someone like you who's been doing this of course for <laughs> you know longer than me is like you know you're willing to collab. Um, so basically, I guess today's topic. Well, we could really do a lot of different topics, but um, we wanted to also think talk about toxic masculinity in the Marianas and even how toxic masculinity informs the way people that live here, you know, look at, at women and the, the over-sexualization of women, um, in space, right? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of that also has to do with, I'm not here to, um, disgrace anyone on their culture but I feel like here on Guam a lot of the way that we are raised is because of our parents and because of the culture that we grew up in yeah definitely and how like when usually for me I don't know if it's for you too Ben but growing up I was taught um in the Catholic religion, you're only supposed to only marry a man. And that's like the only way you should be. And growing up, I always thought that was the whole concept. You know, you get married, you have a family, you, um, you're only supposed to like boys and you're only supposed to be one, you're only supposed to have one sexual preference. And then as I got older, I realized that like a lot of the normalized things that 
our parents have taught us or that has been passed down was very traumatizing for a lot of us. And I think with our generation, um, Gen Z, I think we all have in common. This is Uh the generation that is like breaking the chain of like toxic or traumatizing behaviors because it's been so normalized to the point where it's like we know that it's not right. Yeah, I mean, you're so right. I, I think that really the Catholicism and Chamorro culture and, and even other cultures on Guam, um, there's virtually no difference sometimes between their values and the values of the like the actual institution of the Catholic Church. And I share that experience with you growing up and thinking that, you know, it, life is just supposed to be like that. You can't have any, um, you can't have any, you know, changes in your path. You can't, staying single is not a choice. You need to marry someone. You need to marry, well, if you're a man, you need to marry a woman. And then you, you know, you raise kids. Um, but, you know, as I've grown and I, uh, we realized that you're right, we, we are the generation that needs to kind of break this stereotype. And we need to say, you know, it's time that, that we accept people and we embrace, you know, people for who they truly are. Um, and so I guess one thing that is, that you really, you talked about already is the concept of machismo and marianismo, uh, which is, is used a lot in, in literary works, but um, I, I, I did some research on this for a project I just did. And, from what I found, you, you know, the concept of machismo, marianismo is that men are supposed to be overly macho, right? They're supposed to do activities that are perceived as, you know, as men's sports, you know, they should play sports, they should um, go to the gym, and they should kind of, they should be just really, I guess, the typical, the typical boy, as we've been taught, you know what I mean? And yeah. I was wondering um, if you kind of see that too within not only the media, but within the culture on Guam as well. Do you, do you think that those stereotypes are still going on? Yeah, totally. But I feel like though we are kind of getting better as to like knowing that we, all, we do have a choice of identity. That's the one thing I love about our generation is that we're so carefree and that we are able to just be ourselves around each other and that's okay with us. But I feel like with um in with the masculine energy, um usually the males or growing up, this is I don't know if this is for you too, Ben, but growing up I did I've never seen a lot of my male peers cry in person because they were taught that they sh- um it's too girly to cry or it's not mad enough for you to cry or um the gay the gay i had a gay best friend in middle school and he was too scared to be openly gay about his sexual orientation because the way he was taught or the way that every he was scared of how everyone may perceive him as oh he's a he's gay like he's a quote-unquote faggot so we shouldn't go near him because he doesn't like girls and the only way he should be is um with a female but he can't necessarily be himself yeah yeah and i think there you know that that each of those um 
each of those things are definitely concerns the fact that he can't be himself and the fact that he feels like the place around him is promoting you know a culture like that and i think ultimately or uh, sorry oppositely you know the same thing happens to women um and i you know i I'm, i don't identify as a woman but um i've been i've been you know talking to to some people and who identify as women and they say that you know the the concept of marianismo uh an overly feminine you know an overly feminine character is really also what has been traditionally promoted here on guam um, women being submissive or uh, and just supposed to listen and, and be the kind of sidekick to the man. How do you yeah. think that has evolved um, over time? And do you think we're getting to a better place with that? Um, I feel like we're getting better with that, but I feel like there hasn't been enough done to like actually see us, or I identify as women, but us um, as women to progress higher. Um, I honestly think, though, that with women, women are still disgraded when it comes to things like sports or like, um, like you were saying, with toxic masculinity, where with the woman as well, women or back then um, during the wars and stuff, women were only viewed as good enough to be moms, but they weren't good enough to be soldiers or they weren't good enough to join the army. But now women can join, um, can join the military, which is a huge difference. And then also with um, yeah, I'm sorry, NBA... oh, oh my oh, bad, you can go. no, you can go. Also with sport, or also with um, certain employments too, or job fields, there are certain jobs where men do get paid more than women. Still, like for instance, with the NBA, the NBA league and the WNBA leagues. Um, NBA players get paid up to millions of dollars per year, depending on their contract. And the average WNBA salary is only sixty thousand a year. Yeah, and you know you're so right. Um, you know, just to share a bit more about what I what I've learned too is even within highly regarded academia acad- academic fields. Um, there was a film that my science professor, who who identifies as a woman, made me watch. Uh, a picture a scientist, and in the film it talks about how these big universities, you know, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, um, they had gender wage gaps within their faculty. Uh, some things that showed that there was, you know, unequal treatment between the sexes is. Um, female identifying professors typically had so uh, so much less um, kind of a lab space and office space compared to their male counterparts, despite some of them being there for, you know, so more years than their male counterparts. And when it came down to salaries, you know, it didn't matter. It didn't matter between um, a male and a and a female starting positions as professors there. Um, because the women, the woman would always be paid less than the man, and I think that we we forget as a society that when we're talking about toxic masculinity, we we inherently are talking about the oppression that women face from a um, a society that inherently just benefits men, you know, right out of the womb, uh, particularly white cisgendered men. Um, and that that really translate into it translates into so many different things, you know. 
Um, how do you feel like that in some way relates to colonization, like toxic masculinity um, relates to colonization in any way? Uh, I feel like the yes and no, just because when we were obviously colonized by Spain, like back then during the war, like I was saying, women weren't looked at as good enough to fight or they honestly to this day women still aren't viewed as good enough to be in fights and when for, for instance um sexist stereotype culture still happens for for example like people view women as like good enough or only good enough for cleaning or cleaning should be a woman's job cooking should be a woman's job and like people don't understand that cooking and cleaning isn't a gender role, but it's a basic life skill that you need to develop and learn. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it you know, it can't just be just a woman's job to do those, you know, domestic chores. Um, and, uh, you know, another example is when I was at a party, I think it's really within our culture to offer help in which whatever way we can to our elders, right? Yeah. Um, and so... You know, we're, we're at the party, I'm, I'm outside, I'm eating, then I go inside and I notice my auntie is washing dishes. And so, you know, I offer to help, but then I was, uh, but then she told me like, oh, it's okay, Nai boy, you can, you you just leave this to the to the women or you leave the this work to the women. Um, and, you know, in that I was like, I, I don't identify as a woman, but I'm kind of offended. <laughs> yeah, for, for women, because it's like, you know, here I am trying to trying to help out, but then this this my auntie who identifies as a woman is kind of equating that task to be only solely women when in reality men need to learn, we need to learn, and I'm gonna you know I take ownership over over we uh, that that we need to break those stereotypes and and those are skills like you said that we just need to learn in life and that not nothing is just for either for either um for either sex or either gender identification yeah and also in school too i don't know if this was you too but um growing up whenever like we would move around the desk and the tables right like i would try to help out and then like if it was a male teacher like or some of the boys would be in my class would be like why are you guys letting the girls do it you know you guys should do it i was like excuse me like I can do it myself. I don't need your help. Yeah. And, but one thing, you know, I always wonder as someone who identifies as a man is, you know, when it comes to that, when it comes to those predicaments, and, and I really ask you genuinely, where, where is the line between chivalry and belittling women? You know, like where, where is the line between, you know, I want to help you because it's just a nice thing to do versus, you know, them thinking that you just think that I'm weak, that, you know, they're weaker because they they identify as a woman. Do you have any yeah. thoughts on that? I honestly, I feel like there is a fine line between the, between the two. And if someone were to approach me, if a man were to approach me and say, oh, if they asked me nicely, I would say, you know, thank you. But, you know, obviously I don't need your help. But there is a fine line between them respecting or disrespecting my boundaries. Like, for instance, um, this one time I had an incident where 
where I was trying, or I was, what do you call this? I was playing a sport, or I was playing pickup basketball outside with a bunch of boys from my school, and I was the only female. I don't know why, but I was the only female at the time on the court, and everyone else, like, were all male counterpart, were all male um, peers, and I was playing... Hmm. Sorry, Chloe. Could you could you could you speak up? Maybe now I I lost you. I think. Or hello, can you hear me? Okay, now I got you. Yeah. All right. So I was as I was saying, like I was on the basketball court, and they were all like, "Oh, sh go easy on her because she's a girl." And you know, obviously, I understand too because you know it's about protecting me, but. At the same time, I do kind of find it disrespectful that you're underestimating my ability as a woman just simply because I am a female. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that that is the the line that you're talking about. You know, where um, I think that is a great example of belittling women because you just think that their gender identity is just less capable. When in reality, you know, they could be just as, you know, they could be just as good, if not better than you um, at that. And I think that, you know, from what I've learned and, and, you know, I continue to try to educate myself on things like this is, you know, I trust that also if someone needs help, like they, they would ask, you know what I mean? Yeah. And me, if I were to insist I need help or that, that someone needs help, that and you know, that is basically what you're saying, invading someone's space and not respecting boundaries. You know what I mean? Yeah. And of course they of course it varies with circumstance. Some people are mamalao, some people don't want to ask. But usually, you know, and I would hope for for my my male peers um, you know, listening to this. Usually when people need help, they'll, they'll just ask for it. Um, if it's something that, you know, they really, they really do need help with. And so, you know, I, I think that that's something that we, we as men or those of us who identify as men should, um, should take more into account and, and should think about. And, you know, we're having this conversation in um, a really important time, right, through, in the year because we just started Pride Month. Um, I guess, you know, before we get into more of the heavy topics about relating, you know, relating this conversation to Pride Month, have you um, participated or do you plan to participate in any of the festivities this year? Uh, for Pride Month? Yeah. Um, actually, my auntie was supposed to take me to, I believe, two years ago or about two years ago, they had Pride Month at the museum right next to the legislature building or they had like some kind of I forgot what it was but I went to it and they like lit up like all the LGBTQ plus flags and like they had um, people from around the world different organizations coming in and talking about being an LGBTQ plus member and it was really a beautiful thing honestly when people are able to just share their sexual orientation openly with each other I, I find that a really beautiful thing yeah, definitely. It's always great to kind of encourage that them to just be their truest selves. And I think when we talk about our identity um, as Indigenous people, you know, and being from 
traditionally, and I think a lot of people forget this, like pre-colonization, being from a gender fluid culture is something to celebrate too. And and um, by encouraging people to come out and to support this movement, we inherently support or we inherently embrace, you know, our true cultural identity and our true indigeneity. Um, and one of the things that I love, you know, too, is just having a lieutenant governor who is a part of the LGBTQ uh, IA plus community. Um, and I guess for those of you watching and even for you, Chloe, I wanted to just share uh, some of the events that are going on to celebrate Pride Month. And so um, the Pride Wave hosted by Guam Pride and Equality Guam will be held on Friday, June 4th from 5.30 to 6 p.m. near the ITC intersection in Timuning. Uh, for more on their events, you can follow their Facebook pages. There's also a series of Zoom talks hosted by Gumagela, which will be held throughout the month on Sundays. Have you heard of Gumagela? Um, no, I have not, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool because they're doing um, a lot of, of cool things. They're all indigenous, um, LGBTQI+, um, like identifying fashion designers who I think, I believe they're either based in California or Washington, but they are, yeah, they've been featured on um, various magazines. They did a, a fashion show in London and they're really, you know, doing us proud out there representing our culture and also representing the LGBTQIA plus community. And so you can follow them on, at Gumagela, Guma underscore Gela on Instagram. And I then actually, lastly, uh-huh. No, you can I go. I actually want to go back to um, talking about sexual orientation because that, uh, I, um, this is just my um, personal experience, but I don't know if this is for everyone, for any of you guys, but my sexual preference also has to do with um, the, the way I've experienced or witnessing um, toxic masculinity. What I mean by that is that growing up, I, you know, obviously, like I said, I grew up thinking that being or being married to a male was the only way. And then I, as I got older, I um, started exploring my sexual orientation more. And at first I was bisexual and then I was lesbian and then now I'm pansexual. So my sexual orientation comes from the fact that okay i don't mean to discredit anyone but i genuinely hate men <laughs> sorry ben. no worries no worries um no it, it doesn't have to do with the fact that like i just don't like men but it has to do with the fact that i've seen like so much trauma endured with women and when it comes to rape culture and when it comes to um like stereotypes and a lot of things that was when i started going i started discovering more of my sexual orientation with women and what my preference was as my sexual um identity yeah i mean wow you know thank you so much for for just sharing that and you know i want I just want you to know, I mean, for what it's worth, right? Your feelings and your emotions and, and the, the traumas you've experienced are completely valid. Um, and it's totally, you know, your right and your 
really your choice to to be with who you want to be with or to not be with anybody um, who identifies as a man. Yeah. And I think you really linked it into such problem here on Guam, and that is, you know, traumatic events that occur, particularly through domestic abuse, mm -hmm. because Guam has some of the highest rates of domestic abuse in the nation uh, per capita. And of course, I just think, again, it relates to that kind of culture, our culture, uh, contemporary culture, which embraces a lot of Christian values um, of women being submissive. And so it, it just alarms me when I hear these stories of, of domestic abuse cases on Guam where women had been abused for several years throughout their relationship with the person or even throughout their marriage, but they always felt that it's their place to just endure that struggle and not complain about it because that's what they perceived as be what being a good wife is or what being a strong woman, you know, is. Yeah. Are, or, and yeah. All of these um, issues that stem that happen, they usually stem into things like mental illnesses and, like, um, I don't know if you know this, Ben, but um, Representative Yaba was also tell um, a couple months back, she was informing me about how Guam is actually fourth, um, fourth in the world stage per capita for uh, the most suicides. So basically, we're losing one person every other week due to suicide. And, you know... It's because of these things that happen or one of it, I'm not saying that, you know, trauma can be different for everyone. It just depends. But, you know, obviously rape can lead or rape. I don't, I don't want to say rape. Sorry if that was sensitive for anyone. I apologize. But um, but those things that happen can usually end up leading to more lifelong traumatizing or traumatic events that can also endure to mental illness. And then that's also what eventually ends up happening. So this is something that needs to be addressed more um, and also talked about within the male community, um, just because it is important to keep your male peers informed and to keep the conversation going as to why we need to protect women. Yeah. Yep. And, and again, drawing the line between you know, there's data behind this and we're not, and by, you know, making movements to protect women from, first of all, women didn't, I hate, you know, people victim blaming and, and saying that, you know, oh, women shouldn't be wearing those dresses if they don't want, like, as if they're inviting somebody, you know, to do something to them, you know, to be sexually abused. They, I don't, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. We're just victim blaming, right? Um, and so it is, it's so important to just, to provide those, you know, just to provide that insight, uh, for, for people so that they can be more empathetic or understanding, you know, to the cause. Um, it's different, you know, when people like, let's say like if a male goes shirtless, like, you know, males, like they're playing basketball right here on the, at the village. <laughs> Yeah, they're playing basketball here at the village court, right? And and then they take off their shirt because I, they're hot or whatever. Like, that's not, like, people don't accuse them, like, oh, you're inviting trouble in because you're revealing parts of your body. You know what I mean? So, again, yeah. it's like double standard is held onto women. Like, hey, 
if you don't want to be, you know, people think like, if you don't want to be sexually abused, then don't wear anything revealing. Well, actually, you know, let them, let a woman, let people who identify as women and, and men express themselves by wearing, you know, by wearing what they want. And why don't you just not, not touch them, not even, you know what I mean? Not make them uncomfortable, yeah, not like, You don't them. see women going around touching males if they have their shirts off. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, a, it's such a, it's a double standard that, that even to this day, it just shocks me because of, you know, how normalized it is. Um, and for anybody listening, I just put up another resource that maybe might be useful, the Guam Coalition Against Sexual Assault and Family Violence. You can visit them at guamcoalition.org. And they actually have a forum in here that you can seek help from. You can provide your name and your email address, and um, you could describe what programs you're interested in. They also have a list of hotline phone numbers that you can call, which will help you 24-7 to get the help you need if you're experiencing any of these issues. Um, and again, I, I just, you know, I, I think that all of these double standards that, you know, people who identify as women face also speak to the strength the women have. And mm -hmm. that in a lot of cases and, you know, I, you know, you could disagree with me, but like in a lot of cases, women are stronger than men. I'm sorry, but you know, you, when, when you live in a society where, um, where men experience, you know, so men still experience some things, don't get me wrong. But when you, when you live in a society that's inherently more beneficial to a man, um, you endure a lot more struggles than, than a man does just to get to the same, to the same places, right? And so I think it just really speaks to the the strength of a woman. What do you think about that? Do you think that um, women, you know, do you think that, that that's justified or that's like a valid point? Yeah, totally. You know, obviously women are like some of the, like the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. Sorry, I don't yeah, know. No worries. <laughs> but like, honestly, I just like admire like just women in general. I mean, obviously being a minority as a woman, you are undermined in a lot of ways. You are undermined in ways that you shouldn't be undermined in when it comes to jobs, when it comes to stereotypes, when it comes to height for some reason, when it comes to your body. I know a lot of males that like to body shame. Um, when it comes to like just anything, almost literally anything is like stereotyped nowadays compared to how the males are perceived in our society. And, you know, honestly, I just like, I love women in general, just, and how we're evolving too. Like, obviously we have the first um, female vice president, Kamala Harris. And we also, you know, there's been some incredible women that have done incredible things. Like, this year, I know in the GYC, there's more, or there's a lot more females than there were last year, I believe, right? Yeah, and I think there's actually, when we talk about Guam Congress, I think there's actually a woman majority this year, too. Yeah, and our, our first female um, speaker is serving for the Guam Congress. Yep, definitely. And, and that's something that, you know, we're, 
I guess we're we're really proud of as a body. Um, the fact that we have majority female reps, we have our first female speaker, and we also have a female legislative secretary. Um, you know, uh, and I think that that it shows kind of that change you were talking about the way our generation seeks to break those stereotypes. It's really translating into not only our, what the Guam Youth Congress looks like, but also what our elected officials. Um, what our ele elected officials look like, right? We have a we have a woman, we have a female as governor, we have a female majority in the legislature too, mm -hmm. and we also have um, an LGBTQ plus as a lieutenant governor as well. Yeah. And so it's kind of, I guess it's kind of really puzzling too to think, you know, we have all of these cultural nuances that inherently hold double standards for these people in these marginalized groups but then we elect officials who we we it's like we seem like we more we are more open despite us having a lot of social issues that deal with women and and lgbtqia plus identifying people um and i kind of just wanted to you know ask if this you know your identity and these concerns you brought forward does it have any influence on the career choice you want you your desire for the future? I mean, I know I spoke to you before about you know kind of what you're interested in, and I believe you had mentioned acting at, or um, you know media and entertainment. How how do you feel about you know your career? Do you think that it, you want to deal with these issues like within your career or somehow help or make these oh, issues yeah. better? Yeah, of course, totally. So people always ask me all the time if like i ever want to be senator or like if i ever want to be governor and like the funny thing is like i have no plans to like ever work for the government and it's so funny because like people ask me to ask, ask me all the time like why am i involved in youth congress if like i'm not a quote-unquote fan of politics and i tell people all the time it's not that i'm political or it's not that like i like having political power i just care about people like I just want what's right, and with acting, um, if you guys didn't know, I want to be. I my goal in life is to be an actor. That's my dream. So the one thing that I do want to do is I want to open up more, or one of my goals is to open up more mental health facilities here on island because, um, we do not have enough. I don't believe that we have enough facilities for that but yeah that was one of my goals too and also to just educate and like inspire and inform the general public of the issues that are going on and that was one way that I could use my career platform as as a way to inspire the world yeah that's really you know that's really insp inspiring just hearing that from you and seeing how you know your your dream of becoming an actress also um you know kind of will help you get to a place where you can give back to the community because i think you know people think that in order to make change you have to be involved in politics or policy in somehow or in some way but you're yeah, right you really what we get yeah we we don't you you could start a podcast or you could you could do these all of these different th opportunities to really make a change in your community and there's so many you know nonprofits and different organizations that that are making a change without you know a lot of funding or or things like that so it's definitely possible um 
I guess just like as a fun thing, like who do you have any inspirations as a, as an aspiring actress or anybody you look up to? Okay, so I watch. I'm tired of Americans. No offense, <laughs> but I watch a bunch of Mexican telenovelas. So oh, there's cool. this one Mexican actress. Um, her name is Camarina, Camarina Man Mandarino. I and also Blanca Sota. Um, they're both Mexican actresses. But if we're Oh my gosh, I love Robert Downey. Like, I am a huge Iron Man fan. Like, I just, like, Marvel fan in general. Like, I am a huge, like, I just get, like, an adrenaline rush whenever I watch, like, action movies. I don't know. Like, I would just love, I I would love to be in that field. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I was just, I just finished watching, I talked about this on my previous podcast, but I finished watching an action movie with Angelina Jolie last week with my with my parents and my gosh just the power of acting and and the talent that some of these these professionals have it makes you feel so immersed to where you forget that the plot of the movie is like not real it's like fiction you know what i mean like you you're so invested in the move in in a movie sometimes that you forget that it's not real life you know what i mean yeah and going back to woman too um, there's this movie on Netflix um, called Peppermint, and it the main character is Jennifer Garner. Um, so she basically, she plays a character where her family dies and is killed by a cartel. And through four or five years, she trains and she learns how to shoot guns. She learns how to fight. She gets strong. She gets really, like, really fit or quote-unquote fit to the point where she's able to fight dudes and I thought it was like the most badass thing because like if you watch the movie like she's fighting these guys like one-on-one like combat fighting and she's like shooting these guys and like she's ruining their whole business and I was like that's such a powerful thing when women can like just like take over the whole world yeah right and I, I think it also speaks to the influence of media and how you know, young girls seeing that will be able to kind of use that as a source of inspiration to know that, you know, they are strong, they are, and they are capable um, because they've always been right. It's just society for so long has been telling them that they're not. So by utilizing media in that way, it really just becomes a powerful medium to communicate that message. And yeah, like you're right. That's such a, that's such an important thing to realize. Um, I mean, other than that, what kind of do you, are you involved in any, um, organizations, I guess, working against toxic masculinity, um, other than, well, I know you're involved in Guam Youth Congress, right? And I think, um, something that inherently worked against toxic masculinity culture is finally, um, doing legislation that would, um, require schools to provide, feminine or sorry i don't want to say feminine hygiene products but hygiene hygiene products for um people who experience i don't know menstrual cycles and and things like that um can you talk a bit more about that and and how has the reception been from the community um as far as that policy yeah so um if you guys don't know the period poverty act was passed by the guam youth congress and this um, piece of legislation was created by our legislative secretary, um, Kiana Yaba, and our speaker, um, Stephanie Lorenzo. 
And this piece of legislation was to ensure that um, all, I believe, from all students from fifth grade to, I believe, 12th grade are ensured that these schools have um, menstrual hygiene products um, accessible to, at hand first um, for anyone who needs it because a lot of females are missing out. Um, a lot of females are missing out school time or on their education because they cannot afford uh, menstrual products and they cannot afford or they cannot afford to go to school and they have to miss out a whole week of their education because they're too embarrassed or they're too ashamed. And passing this piece of legislation is going to make a huge difference because now there won't be a lot of people missing out on school and you know I remember growing up I would um in middle school there were pads available nurses office but you would have to pay at least a dollar per pad and depending on your menstrual cycle I know some girls use seven pads a day I know some girls double up on their pads every time so it varies about from five to 15 pads per day. So you're telling me that you're going to spend $15 a day just for pads. That is the most ridiculous thing. So just passing this legislation where we're ensuring that menstrual products are going to be accessible for students who do have their menstrual strike cycles is honestly just an incredible thing. And huge props to um, Legislative Secretary and our speaker for creating this um, piece of legislation, the Period Poverty Act. Yeah, definitely, and and really, I hope that um, I hope that it. Well, I know it really passed in the Guam legislature, but um, I hope that it just continues, and it's just the beginning of a more you know con conscious society where you know we take into account that you know women didn't act like women don't choose to go through, or people don't choose to go through their menstrual cycle. So why should they be, you know, why should they have to invest so much in these products? Like you said, when some of them could use X amount of, of pads a day and it just gets very costly. Um, so yeah, that was just something that, that you did that I think inherently works against toxic masculinity and the double standards that have been set by society. Um, so, you know, I think that when I was looking at my um, statistics uh, as far as viewership, I think that it said that most of my viewers kind of identify as, or do I men, and men, ally, like people, people that identify as men who claim to be feminist allies, I think there's a very thin line that is drawn um, between men allyship towards the feminist cause and virtue signaling. Um, and so do you have any, I guess, insight or you, do you have any perspective to share as someone who identifies um, as a woman with men allies and how we can improve, you know, our allyship and avoid virtue signaling? Yeah, totally. Um, honestly, Ben, you're a great example of like, allyship um but you know honestly with men the reason why no not all men obviously not all men but 
the way that you can be an ally is just by keeping the conversation going and just by informing your peers and communicating these things and just doing anything basically to improve the quality of how women are treated and how women are viewed and respecting women and the way you can do that is just by talking i don't know if guy do i don't know if guys have like conversations with each other about like how menstrual cycles and stuff like that but i that would be so cool if like i found out if like any male up here would like just talk to someone else about it but you know i remember in high school or my freshman year um there was this um, male in my class who had extra pads in his bag for females who did not have pads. So, like, if we did not have a pad at hand, he would have some in his bag just for us. And I thought that was just one way of him showing his allyship or just knowing that he respects women. Yeah, I mean, that's so awesome. Um, and, you know, thank you. Uh, thank you for... Um, you know, your, your insight. And I, you know, as far as me and, and my place as an ally, I'm still always, of course, figuring out, educating myself, making mistakes, but trying to correct those mistakes, you know, in order to, to be, to be better at this. But it really means a lot to, to hear you talk about that and, and to just, to know that you're, you're open to having this conversation with me. Yeah, and as a man, as someone who identifies as a man, um, I cannot say that I've had any, interactions with other with with you know with my circle of friends um who are male where they actually talk or even with my siblings who identify as male where they talk about these issues and they talk about um you know women's issues because the problem i think that a lot of the problem with with men is that we it's exactly what it is we think it's women's issues we think that hey it's not physically affecting us so why should we why, why don't we just leave it to them? And I think that's a part of the problem because, you know, in a society that inherently favors men, basically everything that affects men because we're, because of the privilege that people who identify as male hold will affect other, other gender, other people who identify with other, you know, gender identities. Mm -hmm. And so we need to, we need to keep that in mind. I mean, to, to, the, to my listeners who, um, who identifies man, we need to keep that in mind and we need to realize that, hey, it's not okay just to let these things happen just because they don't affect you per se. It's really important to take these into account and to just work to not be an asshole, but to be an ally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I guess I shared a post earlier on my Instagram story, which I really think embodies what we should all strive to be. Um, it it just says like you know be soft be kind but take no shit right so be be you know you can be uh who you are but you need but but you should be conscious and and kind and, and and empathetic to the struggles of others and i think when we do that as when we all do that more as a society we'll get to a place where there's more peace where there's less inequality between uh, between men, between people that identify as men and people that identify as women. Um, I guess looking forward, and and of course you could also direct the conversation to wherever else you want to, uh, 
want to direct it. Looking forward, though, within the Guan Youth Congress or even within some of your other projects, what do you hope to achieve or what do you hope to do relating to maybe breaking toxic masculinity or or just empowering women? Yeah, so um, I don't know if you know this too, but Representative Yabut and I kind of have like almost the exact kind of platform. I don't want to say exact, but like similar. I know everyone else has their own thing. Like you're... Um, you're more into protecting the indigenous rights of Chamorro people. You and Nolan are like into that. And then I know Kyle has this thing about the environment. And I know Representative Yablet has um, the, um, her platform is more about woman empowerment. And one of my main goals in the GYC is to create um, any kind of legis legislation that will enforce um, schools to have mandatory mental health classes because that was that was something I wish I had um growing up early on just so that like it could have been easier for me but honestly if that was something that I could do I would totally do it but one way that I would uh help or one project that I do want to create um for uh what how do you say this um informing the ev evolution of women is obviously one we did the period poverty act which is just an amazing thing and also just breaking the stigma like breaking just informing and just talking about it is just a powerful thing and I feel like there are many other ways to do it, but this this can also be an, a powerful way to do it. But mm. I know that there are some incredible women that have done incredible things. Like, um, take for instance, Senator Amanda Shelton. She has, she is obviously the chairwoman for the youth. And she has helped us and she brought in the period poverty act and she you know passed she helped passed it within the guam legislature so pr huge props to her and i would just love just to see more things happen for women and i just think it's so powerful yeah and you know even you pushing us into another direction of women of just inspirational women um i was just watching a an old interview today, I think it was in 2017, where uh, Patty Royo, um, the host of this old, this old talk show, something to talk about on Guam, uh, I think it got discontinued in 2020. Um, she was talking to uh, June Paris, the former, or I don't know if she's still the GMH, one of the GMH administrators, and Janelle Martinez, who's a midwife, uh, at the time, she was a midwife for Sagobanyagu, and they were talking about advocacy for women through um, through like lessening lessening the the taboo around um, women breastfeeding, and mm -hmm. how when that was when that first came up, a lot of people had an issue with women breastfeeding in public, and really it was just due to the over sexualization over sexualization of breasts in media. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. When in reality, right, breastfeeding is just something natural that mothers have that mothers have to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's something that comes yeah. to them naturally. And I think that's just another example of incredible women who are working to normalize these things in society. And something that I think is very frustrating is when we talk about mental health issues, when we talk about these these different issues. I don't know if you feel this, but I feel like there is a community on Guam, a large community of cisgendered men um, who think that these issues are in some ways, you know, everybody's just being too soft or people get offended by things too easily. Do you see that? Do you see that community um, that I'm talking about on Guam? Yeah, obviously. um, Yeah, totally. So like, you know, that also goes back to culture where, were toxic positivity if you feel growing up in Chamorro culture I know this is a lot for a lot of kids where if you feel a certain way your parents will invalidate those feeling feelings so um you shouldn't feel that way because um you don't do anything like my job is harder so you shouldn't feel that way or like you're too sensitive so stop crying I don't know what you're crying about like you shouldn't be crying about that like and then as I got older I just realized that my feelings were valid and the way I speak is valid and how I feel is valid. And just because someone else feels a certain way about how I feel, that does not mean it's not real. And I just learned over time that, you know, I feel like we can't change people no matter how much we try to inform them, no matter how much we try to um, share our perspective about how we feel. You just can't. I just feel like the more we try to force something onto someone, I feel like that's been my biggest issue with um, talking about these issues where it can get very um, heated in a debate between two people when someone else disagrees with someone else. So the one thing I've learned is that I cannot change someone else's opinion. Um, I just have to leave it as it is. But the one thing that I can take away from it is that my therapist actually told me this and this was the most powerful thing and it he told me that it doesn't matter what obviously you know you feel a certain way when someone says something you're obviously going to feel a certain way but in in the end it doesn't necessarily matter how um, people feel about your perspective when it comes to your religious views, when it comes to your sexual orientation, when it comes to um, your perspective about the world, when it comes to politics, it doesn't matter what people view. The only thing that matters is what you believe in and how you choose to see those things within yourself. Because if you think that if you know what's right, then you know what's right. But from someone else's perspective, they might not think it's right. So the only thing that matters is that you, in your gut, you believe that what you're doing is right for you and that you believe your intuition that you're doing the right thing, then by all means, you're doing the right thing, even if it's for yourself. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. And I guess just to share one of my experience, even with, you know, one of my my relatives, I was telling this person, um, and this isn't related to women's women's rights per se, more about just conscientiousness and consciousness of culture 
and of, of respecting people's culture. And, you know, we always talk about um, cultural appropriation, right? Mm-hmm. And how that's manifested in many different ways. One of the most popular ways is through costumes. And I saw, you know, this instance where there was someone, you know, asking around because they wanted to dress their daughter up in a certain culture's costume. For me, I I understand a child's desire to wear it because they don't know. But I think that the parent can play a, a role in in helping and raising that child to realize that why that's not okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I and totally then, understand where you're oh, coming sorry. from. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah. But I totally understand where you're coming from, too, because, you know, I also have um, family members who do have quote-unquote toxic behaviors or toxic influences and then sometimes I question like why they're raising their child that way and then their child is obviously going to end up in a way that isn't necessarily the ideal quote-unquote way but then sometimes I question it and I'm like you know why are we allowing these things to happen and why and obviously it's no one's fault but you know it's our job to make sure that we break this chain of cycle of normalized behaviors so that the next line of generation won't have to endure such lifelong trauma and for me growing up seeing all these things happen I feel like that's what also developed into me having several mental illnesses because I saw repeated behaviors and um, I grew up in toxic environments where my feelings weren't validated, where um, I was told I had to be a Roman Catholic in order for me to be loved. Um, I couldn't have my own religious views. My, I was a lot of the times in CCD, I... A lot of their a lot of Roman Catholic beliefs were imposed onto me and a lot of that traumatized me for a long time. So over time I just realized that, you know, the only thing that mattered was what I believed and if obviously it's easy it's harder said than done because it's traumatizing. It's really traumatizing when all these repeated behaviors keep happening and they're consistently happening and you just don't know what to do and you just feel like you're on the verge of a breaking point. And I just told myself that, or I always told myself that at first it was hard because, you know, a lot of people were telling me like, oh, that's so wrong of her to to believe a certain way, or that's so wrong of her to be a certain way of, or have a sexual preference or for her to not be a Roman Catholic, you know? And over time, I just realized that, or at first, like it was hard because I obviously wanted, you know, my family to support me. And, you know, I just realized that not everyone is going to support me in the way I do. But the only thing that mattered was that I believe in what I believe in. And that's all that mattered. Yeah. And you're right. And, you know, again, you're right. It's what you believe in. And there's always going to be family members, uh, friends, people who you think are friends, just people in the community critique you and illegitimize your problems. and make you feel like, oh, you're just being too sensitive or, 
oh, that's not a big issue or, or whatever. But, you know, if it matters to you, then it matters to you. And if you really believe in that, in, in the issue and you want to help it, then then you'll see to it that, that that improves. If that's truly what, you know, what you're passionate about or what you're, um, what you see as a problem. And I, I think that nobody, nobody can, can take that away from you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I want to say, you know, I am a proud more. I am, I am, you know, a practicing Christian, a Catholic. And for me, I think it's, it's a, I, I guess it's a bit of a different, and I, and I realized that uh, everyone's experience is different. Um, but I think for me, and I, and for those of you who identify as Christian, who are watching, it is a very, it's hard to see past, right, indoctrination of the church and, and the things we're taught to believe. But what I always use, at least to root me um, in my beliefs and, and what I what I think, or what I, you know, what I believe in in my faith is the fact that if you're a Christian, you know, we inherently believe that Jesus stood for good, he stood for love, right? And so, that's just something that I always try to stand by is my, my culture, my church, they're, they're saying Enafamalik, they're saying love, they're saying Grenadza. And those are the values that I try to hold really dear to me and, and spread in the world. And I realize that, you know, throughout, throughout history, the church, because of the influence of humans or, or you know, of, of, of humans, it's made wrong decisions. And I, and I acknowledge that. Um, but at least, you know, for those of us who are Christian, for those listening who identify as Christian, hopefully we can recognize also the, the, the real root values of it and use that to kind of spread love and open up our minds to embracing our our allyship for those who identify as LGBTQI plus and to embrace, you know, people who don't fit the stereotype of your conventional man or your conventional woman. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, we can work towards a better society where people who are Christian, people who aren't, who don't identify as Christian, who have no faith or who have another faith, where we can just all see the the commonality and beauty in, in advocating for these different causes and these different, you know, marginalized groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, thank you. I, you know, thank you so much for just sharing, sharing your aspirations, sharing sharing your thoughts and your curiosities and speaking to me about all of these important issues. No, um, thank you for having me. Yeah. Is I there anything else you it. wanted to talk about? It's up um, to you. No, I mean, I feel like we pretty much did a really good job of talking about these issues and, you know, obviously we can do, we can collab more if you want, but um, later on in the future, but I honestly, I just thank you for having me. I loved being here. No worries. You know, I really, I value, you know, your friendship and I really, I appreciate the perspectives and the work you're doing within the Guamith Congress and just as a person. And I want you to know that. And so, yeah, thank you so much. Um, For those of you listening, you can also listen to Chloe's podcast, Chloe Talks. Um, How can they get to your podcast link? Uh, yeah, thank you, Ben. So, um, I have a podcast called Chloe Talks, like Ben was saying, and I it's either available on Spotify, so you guys can just search up Chloe Talks there, or on the Anchor app, or I also have a link where you guys can um, click on it, and then you guys can just access the episodes there and listen from there. So, um, my Instagram is Chloe A Q M Liz L I Z. 
and you guys can follow me on there and there's a link in my bio where you guys can click on the podcast and there will the episodes are available for you guys to listen in on all right well thank you so much and to everybody listening you can also follow this podcast at the curious islander on instagram and follow me at vicente blast tyrin sendunklu nasitos masi for joining and thank you